Welcome to the Boss in Heels podcast with your host, Lara Nassessian, the podcast that shares the mindset, habits, tools, and tactics of inspiring women. Hello, I'm Lara Nassessian and welcome to Boss in Heels, where it's my job to share the mindset, habits, tools, and tactics of inspiring women. I am so excited to share a really big announcement with you all today, and that is the launch of my brand new show, Boss in Hills TV. This has been an absolute dream come true for me. It is something that I have been wanting to do for so long and to be able to take the podcast and really elevate it to that next level is beyond my wildest dreams. And I am so, so excited and happy to share my show. And if you haven't already seen, you can actually view it on YouTube, on my new YouTube channel, which is called Boss in Hills TV. So I will put the direct link in the show notes to make it really easy and accessible for you guys to find. And if you haven't already, then please take a moment to head over there and to like and subscribe my channel. It is really because of the overwhelming support that I have received for this podcast that doing something like this has even become a possibility for me. And all of your reviews, all of your ratings, all of your subscriptions, all of your beautiful comments, sharing the podcast to your social media channels, sharing it with your friends, your family members, your co-workers, all of those things has really gone such a long way. And I just really wanted to take a moment to express my gratitude, my deepest gratitude to each and every one of you for your ongoing and overwhelming support. It really is because of all of you that I've been able to take the podcast to that next level and to start showing up and to really overcome my own personal fears, constantly pushing the boundaries of what I think is possible for myself and constantly pushing the envelope in terms of my own comfort zone that I've been able to start to show up in this way. So Boston Hills TV, it's my own studio. It is my own set. And I am sitting down with some pretty sensational guests to do what I do. And that is to have these really raw, real, honest conversations with these remarkable women who are doing extraordinary things and to really be able to kind of tease out their mindset and their behaviors and their challenges and their stories and to be able to share that with you guys and to really be able to illuminate that so that you can draw out inspiration and practical tips and tools that you can really apply to your own careers and lives. So I'm so happy and excited and really just wanted to take a moment to thank you all for your support and also to let you know that you can actually listen to this episode by, you know, obviously you're here on the podcast, but you can also watch the full episode by jumping over to my channel, Boss in Heels TV on YouTube. I will put the direct link for this episode in the show notes. And if you would like to watch the video version, then absolutely go for it. And I hope that you enjoy it. And as always, I welcome your feedback, your comments, Let me know what you want to see more of and what works for you guys, because I'm always here to try and deliver content in a way that's really meaningful and that resonates with each and every one of you. So 
I just wanted to take a moment to share that with you. It is something that I, like I said, it's been absolute dream come true for me. And to be able to live out my dreams is honestly beyond anything that I could have ever hoped for. So I really just wanted to say a huge thank you. And um, I really hope that you enjoy the show. With that being said, I am so happy to welcome today's guest, who is someone that I've admired for a really long time. Previously described by the New York Times as a breakout star, Samantha Wills is an entrepreneur, jewelry designer, speaker, and most recently an author, with her first book titled Of Gold and Dust out now. After spending 15 years building a wildly successful jewelry company where the likes of Beyonce, JLo and Rihanna would wear her designs and at the height of her success made the controversial decision to close the company down with a larger purpose in mind, it's with great pleasure that I have her on today's show. Samantha, welcome to Boston Hills. Thank you. What an intro. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and as I mentioned in the, in the bio, you are someone whose journey I have followed for such a long time. You really are like a household name in oh, Australia. I think anyone sort of growing up in my generation, like certainly admired all of your designs, but more importantly, like the story behind it. Um, and so I really kind of wanted to, I, I really want to delve into the book mm-hmm. and I really want to talk about all of that. And I thought a good place to start would be to ask you, who is Renee? <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough question to start on. Um, so yeah, for anyone that has read the book will know that Renee is my fake I guess assistant. She really was a jack of all trades, but I made her up um, in my early days of business because, you know, when you're a solopreneur, you wear all hats. And what I was doing was, you know, hand making the jewelry, going into retailers to, to sell it to them, taking the order, coming back home to hand make it, and then being like, oh, you know, they owe me X amount of money, so their account's overdue. And nothing kills a relationship more, right, than, you know, having to ask someone for money. So um, at that time, you know, maybe like 22 or 23 at this point, and I didn't know how to employ someone. I was still doing it on my dining room table. And so I was like, I need like a bad cop to my good cop. So I was like, <laughs> I'm just going to make, make up someone. Let's, let's call her Renee. So Renee got an email. So that night, you know, I'm, I, Samantha, am emailing out to our retailers. Um, you know, Hey guys, Renee's a new accounts receivable. She'll be contacting you for, you know, all things account related. And so then, you know, I would do my normal job till, you know, three o'clock in the morning. Then Renee would get on emails and kind of chase overdue accounts. And then it was going really well. Like the cash flow was coming in and, you know, Renee was doing a great job. And then <laughs> retailers started contacting me, Samantha, being like, that Renee girl, isn't she diligent? Like she's such a hard worker. Like what's the, and, um, you know, it, it kind of, you know, snowballed a little bit, but Renee was with me for a very long time. She so, was. Yeah. It was hard to let go of Renee too. It really wasn't people <laughs> still ask about her now. So she's doing good. (laughs) I think that was so brilliant. And I just thought, oh my gosh, when I read that, when I read your book, there were a few things that really came through for me. And one of them that really shone through for me was just how much of a hustler you were. And I think you actually dedicated a whole chapter to being, you know, the hustler. So where do you think this like entrepreneurial spirit and this grind and this hustle really came from? It's a great question. And, you know, I I don't remember it ever like arriving one day or I don't remember something that piqued my, you know, entrepreneurial 
spirit. So I guess in one way, I think I was born with it. Um, I think being an only child, I definitely contributed to it because, you know, you're kind of like, you know, when it's your two parents and you, it's almost like you, not against them, that sounds quite, you know, hostile, but it's, it's kind of like you're on your own in a way and you're like, I, I'm going to pave my own way forward. So, um, I think it definitely came into play quite early. I remember being, you know, I didn't have brothers and sisters to play with. So I remember being three or four years old and taking all the pantry food out of mum's pantry and then setting up a fake cafe and trying to sell it back to her, <laughs> like to, you know, pass the time. So I think it definitely, you know, had that, had some type of bearing on it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always, been in me somehow. My parents always had small businesses and things like that. So I definitely saw that element of it. But yeah, hustle, hustler was a, a good word, I think, to describe that my childhood antics in a way. Yeah. <laughs> and talking about antics, I read about how you were repainting like the, was it like the eaves or the signs in front of like cleaning your, the your, signs. Yeah, yeah. Cleaning the signs. Mm. And you like, could you tell us about like that story? Yeah. Cause I feel like that's a really great <laughs> I'm such one a brat. Oh my gosh. So I was 11, you know, I was probably 12 years old at this point. And my parents had a small clothing boutique in um, my hometown. And you know, like all 12 year olds, you're there on the weekends when your parents are working, like, oh, this is so boring. Like, I don't want to be here. And my dad's like, you know, go bloody make yourself useful kind of thing. So I climbed, he's like, go clean the sign on, on the roof. So it was like an outdoor, like strip malls that are, you know, opposite of McDonald's kind of, you know, 16 outdoor stores in the one complex. And so I jump up on the roof and I'm scrubbing the sign. I'm like, wow, it's really dirty. And then I, you know, I take it to like half, clean it to halfway. And it's like, this like really stark before and after because it was so, so dirty. But what, you know, you didn't realize how dirty it was till you started cleaning it. So my dad comes out and I was like, you know, look at, look how dirty it was. Dad's like, oh wow, it's going to look really good when you're finished. And I was like, no, 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 I, I am finished. He's like, what do you mean? You've only done half the sign. I was like, I've done half my free trial. Like I'll clean the rest for 20 bucks. And he was just like, you know, keep cleaning your little shit or we're all going to be in trouble. So I'm out there, you know, scrubbing away. And then my eye catches all the other stalls in this, this mall complex. And I'm like, if I go along and clean half of those, I can run into the stores and be like, you know, Mrs. Baxter, come out and look how clean your sign could be for 20 bucks. <laughs> so, you know, all of them took me up on, on the offer because they obviously didn't want a half filthy sign. But then one person's like, you better start running or I'm going to call yeah. the police. <laughs> <laughs> that is so brilliant. Like though. I ended up in juvenile detention yeah. or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? It worked for what? Nine out of 10 of your clients. Uh, yeah, so, it's you not know, a bad success a, rate. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. And I, I told you before we started filming, I read of Golden Dust and I devoured it in two days. And what I found was so refreshing about the book was just how raw and vulnerable and real you were in it because I think that it's really easy to look at someone like you and I think that you're the kind of person I've actually quoted you on this on my podcast before oh, and I've, you. I've said you know Samantha Wills said you know it took 12 years to become an overnight right. success so I think that you've always tried to bring the realness mm -hmm. to light and I guess I wanted to kind of ask you, you know, you have been very raw and vulnerable in the book, you know, what was kind of the driving force behind that, you know, right. what kind of gave you the inspiration to write the book and, and why now? Yeah, I think, um, you know, in 2016, I launched the Smart the Worlds Foundation and it was kind of the catalyst of launching that was to kind of share this behind the scenes kind of, you know, what it 
what the hurdles are, I guess, of business. And I think when I started sharing those elements and they were, you know, laced with vulnerability, probably not the depth, or definitely not the depth I go to in this book, but, you know, I started to see this um, response of people just being like, oh my gosh, me too. I've never heard someone speak about it like that. Or this makes me feel so less alone knowing X, Y, and Z. So I think in 2016, I really started to see the need for vulnerability specifically in women in business um, because, you know, we, we even by then it was this age of perceived perfection on Instagram. So we're, you know, we're, we're comparing ourselves to this, you know, the highlight reel, but essentially it's a, it's a hologram, right? Like we, we're nothing of our reality is kind of being, you know, um, mirrored back to us in that in, in business. So that's what, in 2016 was my mindset. And then when the opportunity came up to write this book, um, the original working title of it was Public Brand Private Life. And what I really wanted to do was parallel the two. Yeah. Um, but then the more that I started writing, and obviously when I started writing this book, I, I still had a company, you know, this, it was meant to be a, a full-on just business memoir. And so once I, you know, decided to close the company, it was my own plot twist in a way. It's like, all right, well, now I really want to make sure I'm adding in that human element. So if, you know, there was public brand, private life, it's like, but it's humans doing this business. Like, what does it take of an individual? What does it take of a team of people to um, find this kind of commercial success? So that's really what the inspiration was. And I, you know, I pushed really hard for that working title and my publisher's like, it's not, you know, sparkly enough. It's, it's got to have something to do with jewelry. And yeah. we, we workshopped about 80 working titles over the the course of about a year and a half um and golden dust was the final one that I presented and we all agreed that that was the right one I love the title I love the book and as I was reading it one thought that came to me was how did you actually go about the process of writing the book because the amount of detail that you go into and all of these you know personal experiences Mm -hmm. business experiences going back years and years and years how do you actually recall that detail or did you keep journals, you know, throughout the years? Like it's I, a great, and a few people have brought it up, which I, it wasn't intentional. Like, I don't know. I just remember things like, I remember the feeling behind it. And I think if you can tap back into a feeling, a lot of things come flooding back then. And a lot of details that you might've not remembered on the surface start to start to return. I definitely don't keep a lot of, I, I write in journals, but I don't keep a, you know, a steadfast journal. Um, but I don't know. I remember the weirdest things. Like I can't remember every time I have to go and redo my taxes, I'm like, wait, how do I redo this again? But then I can remember like specific details about different times. Yeah. So, you know, and I think that the process, especially with memoir, because it is so personal to the author and it's, you know, it's their take on the experience of that experience. Yes. So, um, you know, the original memoir, uh, sorry, the original manuscript that I presented, so this is about a hundred, uh, sorry, 72,000 words is a, you know, a general book like this. And I submitted 148,000 because, you know, as a first time writer, I'm like, I'm just going to write down all the stories and kind of across that journey. And then obviously with good editors, they're like, Hey, you don't need this story. How do you you then link from this to this? So the process was, um, you know, initially a big kind of brain dump. And then it's almost like revisiting yourself though. So I would, you know, carry this manuscript around as I was writing and back when you could travel, (laughs) you know, know, still doing my traveling and writing in different locations. And I would revisit myself at different times. So, you know, revisiting 21 year old me and, and sitting with her and, you know, remembering seeing the feeling, the calluses on my hands from making the jewelry, but then observing her and then go and write about it. It truly was like teleportation throughout, throughout the journey. Wow. That's incredible because it was so detailed. And when I read it, I thought, you know, that's one question that I have to ask you because 
I, I don't remember those kinds of details, but I suppose when you kind of really do teleport yourself back into yeah. those moments, you start to have those more sort of vivid memories. It really does yeah. come to you out of nowhere when you, when you really sit with it, I think. Yeah. 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 And so you've had such an incredible, interesting, inspiring mm. journey. And, you know, that obviously is all captured in the book, but outside of reading the book, you know, like I mentioned, I'd followed your journey from years and years prior. And I, like, you know, many other people were, you know, incredibly shocked when we, when you came with the announcement that you right. were going to close Samantha Will's the jewellery, mm-hmm. you know, the brand. And you do talk about this a bit in your book, but, you know, for, again, from an outsider's perspective, it is, you know, really easy for someone to look at you and think, you know, you're having all this incredible success. You've got all these amazing celebrities that are wearing your your brand. You know, you, you've achieved this huge global reach. Right. You know, you're really at the top of your game. But on the inside, it it may not have been as, you know, shiny as maybe what people may have perceived. And right. you were obviously going through, you know, certain struggles and challenges and things like that. So could you perhaps talk to the process in which you arrived at the decision to really close, you know, Samantha Wills as, as the brand yeah. and, and how you kind of, yeah, came to that realisation? Yeah, it's um, and it, to be honest, it probably was a two-year journey from – and I think, you know, I guess as a creative person, there's this little flicker inside of you that, you know, flickers away and you know, you know, you're inspired and you're in flow and that's kind of your lifeblood as a creative person, right? Um, I think by, you know, 2016, again, I, um, at that point had designed about 11,000 pieces of jewelry over that time. And that little flicker inside of me, um, for jewelry design started to fade out a little bit. And, you know, it's not an uncommon feeling if you've designed, you know, that much in the one field because it's like, oh, it's just a creative block or it'll pass. Like it wasn't an uncommon feeling to me. I think then, you know, six months in, another six months or a year in, another six months in, it's like, all right, this is getting less and less. And, you know, that, that light was starting to dim. And, um, you know, my thought process then was, I just need to get that feeling back. To me, it was, there was no option to, to close. I was never going to sell the business because I never wanted to sell my name. Um, but I was like, you know, ever so modestly named the brand Samantha Will. So I'm like, <laughs> this is my lot in life. This is what I do. And especially when it's in growth and when it's, I'm like, okay, this is, I've just got to find, I've got to re-harness this creative energy and get it back somehow because it's slowly killing me on the inside. And, um, you know, probably, 18 months in after that initial realization that it was dimming, it was like, maybe it's, maybe it's something else. And I, you know, I tell tell this story in the um, book, I I won't give it all away because it's the end of the book, but it was standing at this crossroads and it all kind of was like, it was the first, that was the very hand on my heart. The very first time I was like, that's an option for me to close it. And that was when I made the decision was the very first time I'd ever thought about it. And I think the process is, if you separate the feeling filter, so, you know, your gut feeling and your soul and the thinking filter being the mind, I woke up every morning and for two weeks I kept the information to myself about wanting to close and I asked myself how I felt about it. I didn't ask myself what I thought about it because there was, you know, if you have to logistically explain something, there was no logic to it. Yes. But every morning when I woke up, I'm like, it feels like the right thing to do. And one of the biggest teachings that I hope throughout my work is you cannot fake a feeling. So why do we try and repress, you know, this gut feeling or this, you know, inner knowing because we can't logically explain it. Yes. So um, that was kind of the process. But, it, you know, 
and I, I tried to explain in the book that it was quite an amount of time to sit with a, a discomfort within. Um, but yeah, that was the, the process at the end was, was think versus feel and I couldn't, it, it felt right. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I had chills when I read that oh. chapter about you standing at that crossroads. Yeah. I just thought, you know, the literal and then the, you know, figurative, totally. you know, that just, you know, something came over me because I thought, oh my gosh, like what a moment to have experienced. And one of the themes that also really came through for me in the book was around you leaning into your intuition. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such an important thing to talk about because so many people do really suppress that. You know, it is about what's in our minds. It's really about, you know, what am I supposed to be doing? What does everyone else around me expect of me? What are my parents are going to say? You know, what is my, you know, boss going to say? What are my friends going to say? Um, and so, so often we find ourselves living on these, you know, preset tracks, you know, where we're just kind of coasting through life or we're just kind of going through the motions, but we're not actually doing the thing that really fuels our soul. And that list you just said, that's everyone else's framework. That's got nothing to do with your own framework. So Exactly. That's so so true and so spot on. So I wanted to ask you, like, how have you learned to lean into your Mm. intuition and make decisions more from your gut and rather than your mind. Look, and I think it's a life's work, right? Like I'm not sitting here being like, I do this now and it's all grand. <laughs> like it's something that I constantly have to return to and I'm still still learning. Um, I think firstly, I think the framework conversation is so important because it's like we take on this framework of, you know, you got to get married at this age and, you know, have a kid at this age and do this with your business at this. And, and I'm like, but whose framework is that? Like, and it, it's like this universal framework. And I'm like, it's, that's not my personal framework, but you, if you spend your entire life, you know, comparing what is true to you against this rigid framework, I'm like, that's a life of just anxiety and never feeling like you're in your own skin. So I think that's the first one is identifying, hey, what's important to you? Like, let's strip back all these things, strip back what your parents wanted you to do, what society, what religion, what whatever, and be like, okay, when it's just you, like, what is that? And that that in itself, again, is a life work. And it's it's a daily stripping back of and we're just bombarded in this day and age with so much media and social media and opinions yeah. and, and all these things. So it's about finding that quiet and whatever that is to you and, and literally being like, okay, this is true to me. Um, and then I think once we get clear on that or we have moments of clarity because it's very, you know, rare to entirely em- embody that all the time, I think it's quite unrealistic. So when we do find those moments of clarity, it's like, all right, then putting our intuition against that, that's where the truth comes in. You're like, okay, it all, you know, when something just feels like it fits together and it, it, it finds, flows. yeah, it flows, it finds you and it's calm and it's like, okay. And that's, that's when it all comes together. Yeah. Um, you know, second to that, I think our body as the physical communication is always communicating with us in oh my gosh, so many yeah. different ways, right? <laughs> and, you know, the word intuition is not new to us. You know, we've known what it means from a child, but for some reason we, if we can't logically explain something, we try and suppress it in a way because that's, that's what it. society has taught us. So, Completely. Yes. Yeah. It's there's such a difference between the intellectual understanding of something versus fully 
fully embodying what that actually Absolutely. means and applying it in your own life. Because theoretically, we might know a whole bunch of, you know, stuff that we're supposed to do. And yes, right. I know that's good for me. And yes, I know I should get, you know, some amount of hours per sleep per night. But are you actually practicing and embodying those things? And I think that's the key differentiation. Definitely. And your body is always telling, like she tells you when she's tired, she tells you when she's hungry. She has a gut feeling as a communication. You get goosebumps for a reason. Like there is all these like yeah. actual physical communication signs that are, that are happening. So, um, and it's, it's a lot of work. I don't say this dismissively, like it's a lot of work to be able to, and think of all the stuff you have to shed to really get back to, to that. Like it's, it's a whole lot. There's so much unlearning to be done. That's exactly right. Yeah. Because yeah. I think that's so long we're, you know, going through life and we're just kind of building on what we think we're supposed to yep. do and, um, you know, going down a certain path. But then there's something to be said about actually stripping that down and getting back down to the core, you know, of who we really are. Definitely. And, and asking ourselves why, like International Women's Day this year, the topic being choose to challenge. And that goes for all aspects, like choose to challenge ourselves as yeah. well. Like why we you know, repeat certain things in our lives. And yeah. is that actually what we want to be doing? Absolutely. Like, yeah. is that going to be serving you? And if you are, you know, repeating those same cycles, like you said, stop and ask yourself why. Like, I think Definitely. that's such a powerful thing. Yeah. Practice to get into the habit of doing. Are there any particular practices that you've used to, you know, become, you know, more, whether it's, you know, silencing your mind and learning to yeah. feel more like, is it meditation or, you know, what does that kind of process or practices look like for you? Yeah, I definitely, um, I wish I could sit here and say that I meditate for an hour every day, but I would be <laughs> lying to you and I don't want to do that. Um, I think that a lot of the time it's just taking a moment like, and, and listening. Like I think we, we race through life. We always put ourselves and our, our health and our body's communication to, to the back burner, or it's like when I'm not so busy, I'll get to that. Yes. But the, it's it's all within here that's trying to communicate. So really noticing and, you know, you can look back on times where you're like, oh, I, d I knew and I don't know why I didn't do it because I knew and then you choose something else. So yeah. bringing our awareness at a very base level to what that communication is. Yeah. Um, and also just being aware that, you know, when we're on Instagram, for example, like when I'm on Instagram, I know it's bad for me. I can feel myself just continually like trying to get to the bottom of the scroll like there is yeah. a bottom to it. Um, <laughs> there's not. It's a bottom <laughs> It's pit, a bottomless yeah. pit and it's designed, it's designed like a poker machine, it's which is really so dangerous. Is. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, noticing when you're on and being the adult to step in because, you know, you, you know, when kids are on screen time, the adult's like, you know, it's time now. You, it's like, you're the adult in this though. So it's like enough screen time, Samantha. <laughs> um, but you know, noticing that it's, you usually go into a compare and despair and that's, that hinders every part of your intuition. So yeah. it's like all these things that are kind of yelling at you in different ways, be the adult and just, you know, take take some time to cut off from that. Um, and I use that same analogy in, with imposter syndrome as well. I'm like, you know, for so long I tried to beat imposter syndrome and in my experience and the further I get through my career, the more convinced I am that it doesn't go away. And so I'm like, all right, if you're here, how are we going to coexist here? So yeah. my entire thing now is like, I see you, I hear you. Just give me 10 minutes to sit down with Lara and do this interview. Give me 10 minutes to do this. And so all you need is that breaking the clouds to just start something. So when we talk about intuition, I'm like, just cut the circuit breaker of, of 
the noise and just give it 10, give it five minutes and yeah. see where it leads. Oh, that is so powerful. And I'm so glad that you brought up the whole thing around imposter syndrome, because that is such a real thing that, you know, so many of us experience, yeah. you know, we all have these fears about, and I think especially for women as well, it's really difficult for women in business. Like, you know, who do I think I am? You know, what am I doing? Right. You know, I've gone through my fair share of that, you know, even with, you know, my podcast and, you know, coming out with Boss and Heels and all of these kinds of things that I'm doing now, there was so much fear and so much work that I had to do in order to be able to actually do the thing that I know deep down I should be doing. And, and the work is to just start it. The work, yes. like then you've got the work to do. Exactly. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's a lot of burden to put on ourselves. It is. And yeah. I think it's such a shame when you see people really suppress their true calling right. and their true purpose in life because they're simply too afraid to step out or they think, you know, who am I to do this? You know, I'm not good enough. You know, I'm not worthy enough. You know, yeah. all of these kinds of thoughts. And I feel like you kind of bringing up imposter syndrome in your book and again now it is so real and refreshing because it's like, you know, someone looking at you thinks, oh my gosh, you know, Samantha's got her whole life together. Mm. Look at her incredible empire that she's built. But, you know, even someone as successful as you, you know, has these thoughts or, you know, have has uh, these it, fears. Imposter syndrome has no prejudice, truly. It, um, I, there's two quotes that I really like that I've read together where it's like, um, Jodie Foster was receiving the Oscar and she's like, oh, you know, this, I thought they made a mistake. This must have been for Meryl Streep. They gave it to me by mistake. And then the next quote I have there is um, uh, Meryl Streep being like, I don't know why anyone wants to come and see me in a movie. Like I can't act anyway. So I'm like, oh my God, like if Meryl wow. Streep has it, yeah, it's, it's every single person has it. And I think that's another powerful thing to go back to when, when you're in conversation with imposter syndrome. And like you said, I actually give it a persona in my book. I love that you did. I love <laughs> yeah. that you did that. But it's, it's so prevalent. Yes. And so I, I just make the, the bold assumption that everyone has got it. Um, yes. and also it's, um, I, I like to do a role reversal as well. I'm like, I would never let anyone speak to my best friend the way that imposter syndrome and I are in conversation. So I'm like, why do I let imposter syndrome speak to me that? way. So kind of, you know, separating it out, separating fact from fiction, because you know, when you're in conversation with imposter syndrome, it's a very quick spiral to, to the bottom of the pit. But I'm like, all imposter syndrome in is, is a really good fiction storyteller. So it's like, we have to then jump in and be like, hang on a second, like, show me the proof. Where is the proof in that? And there is none. Yes, so. I know that's such a powerful way of phrasing it and a really good way of being able to actually step back and right. actually differentiate yourself from yeah. that. Like that thought is actually not me. Um, totally. So giving it a different persona, mm -hmm. giving it a name, I think it's a really yeah. useful strategy. Yeah. It's like, you yeah. can sit over there for a moment because I'm, <laughs> I'll come back to you in a second. <laughs> but I, it's just, I don't know. And everyone has got it. And we're so worried about what other people think, but I'm yeah. like, no one thinks anything because we're always just like, we're quite selfish beings, right? Because I'm like, what, what are they all going to think? I'm like, no one's thinking about you. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, just get on with that kind of thing. Everyone's too busy thinking about Truly, themselves. Truly, it is the truth. Yeah, it's so, so true. Yeah. So true. <laughs> and so talk to me about the process of you then sort of relocating back from New York to mm -hmm. Sydney because you did an astronomical number of flights between yeah. Sydney and New York. You know, the, the flight crew, you know, knew you by name, know. you know, they you were the very familiar guest at, yeah. at the airport lounges. And so what was that really like for you to sort of 
because that's quite a big move, you know, to sort of pack up a life that you'd spent, was it 10 years? 10 years, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I was back and forth for, for pretty much nine of those years, um, every six weeks, New York, 10 days, Sydney consistently. And just become, you know, we're such a, a creatures of habit. It just becomes what it is. And once I realized the amount, like there was, it was three months entirely, if I back to back to the flights, it was three months entirely on an aircraft. And I was like, that's just not. That's you know, a lot of life on a plane. It's a lot of life with your feet not on the ground. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, um, you know, I, I didn't want to do that travel so much anymore. Um, this was kind of before I'd closed the company and I, I explained that in the book, yes. that, that thought process. But, um, you know, the, the book was meant to come out in March 2020. So, and obviously the world changed, um, around that time. So we actually pushed it back a year uh, because we wanted to tour the book. Um, and then what that allowed me to do was put that end bit about my health journey and endometriosis, um, in there because I had my operation in, in the January, 2020. So, um, yeah, it allowed me to do that, but I don't know, being back, it's, um, I came back in October, November, 2019 and it was to tour the book. So, you know, it's, I was like, Oh, is it, am I coming back too soon? And then when the book got pushed back and, you know, the bushfires were here and then COVID happened, but, you know, again, at the time I was kind of kicking and screaming that I was coming back, but then when it all kind of happened, I'm like, okay, here's where I meant to be. And I think if there's any message to take out of the book, when you can look back on with hindsight on things, you're like, Oh, okay. I can see, I don't say the reason, but I was like, oh, okay, there's a purpose behind yeah. that. So. And eventually all the dots connect, you know, they really leads you to where you're supposed to be and it might yeah. not be where you thought you wanted to be it might not even be where you wanted to be but it's yeah. where you're supposed to be for it for a purpose yeah, yeah absolutely and on that point I would love if you could maybe share a little bit around you know that around you know you've had so much success you know and I wanted to know you know is it, you know, is all the success that came with, you know, Samantha Wills and what you've been able to create, mm -hmm. has it, you know, met your expectation? Has it exceeded your expectation? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think, um, I think success for me has changed over time. So I think what it was when I first started my business was probably a lot more surface level where it might have been like, you know, when we get product in certain magazine or when we get a certain celebrity wearing it and, you know, and that kind of progresses throughout. Um, I think, you know, in the entrepreneurial DNA is this notion of chase, chase, chase. What's next? Okay. We've got that. What are we doing next? What are we doing next? Which is, which is great on a fuel front because, you know, that's what keeps us moving forward. What then happens though, if you're not, it's just a hamster wheel because you're like, all right, well, what's next? What's next? What's next? And it just keeps going round and round. And, um, you know, that's a double-edged sword because it's what fuels you, but it also what burns you out as well. Um, so I, you know, I think having the opportunity to write this book, even I was sitting back looking at what we'd achieved and it was a really nice way to revisit that because I think for so long, I just, you know, kept moving forward really quickly to chase the next thing. So yeah, I'm, it's very surreal to me of, of the heights that we reach the, you know, the sex and the cities and the Taylor yes. Swift's and the Beyonce's and those stories are just wow to me. Um, to me, success now is more, you know, I make no, um, secret that I do deal with anxiety at times. And I'm like, to me, success now is, is longer stints without experiencing anxiety or it's about doing creative projects that don't necessarily need a commercial outcome for everything that I that I touch because so you know it's it's, it's different framework around mm. what that means so yeah, yeah. absolutely no I, I can completely see that you kind of different periods of your life mm. almost like 
you know, demand, you know, different versions of you and maybe your requirements change, your preferences change, even your purpose could change, Absolutely. you know, throughout that period. And it should, I think. Yeah, it's yeah. like a constant evolving, you know, moving part. Like I don't Definitely. think that it necessarily ever stands still. So it makes sense that your definition of this success has changed over time right. as well. And, and you mentioned talking about anxiety and it's something that you do kind of bring to light. And I think it's so wonderful that you do that because it's, something that so many people experience and I don't think that enough people are really talking about it. Right. So could you perhaps share like any particular, you know, practices or strategies that you've used that have really helped you to be able to sort of uh, increase those periods of time that you're yeah. not feeling that level of anxiety? I think it's more um, when I can feel, I call it a flare-up, like it's a medical disease because it is, but, you know, it's not a, a tangible one that you can touch. But when I have an anxiety flare-up, I just kind of have to pod down and go to ground a little bit. And that might be cancelling social engagements. It might be, um, you know, pulling back from work a little bit and just kind of like survival mode in a way, but in the most nurturing way. And I think, you know, especially as women, we don't want to disappoint people or we, you know, we think we've got to keep all these balls juggling in the air. But yeah. there's a, a really good um, analogy I read the other day where it's like, you know, we think all these balls that we're juggling are glass, but I was like, no, some of them are plastic. So it's like the plastic ones you can afford to drop yeah. and like, it really doesn't matter. But I there's, love that. You know, the glass ones is the health and and managing, you know, whether you've got children or whatever those glass ones are that, that can't be dropped. It's like, go back to just focusing on those you don't have to juggle a thousand of them yes. and they're not all glass so, yeah, yeah exactly now I think that's a really great way of, of phrasing it and talking about some of these practices and things like mm -hmm. that because I know that my viewers and my listeners they love details and I, I particularly love talking about things like morning routines and yeah. practices and things like that so I'd love if you could maybe share a little bit about you know what does that look like for you you know when you wake up and I'm sure maybe no two days are the same but you know yeah. are there any particular things in your morning or in the evening that you absolutely must do and what does that process look like for you it almost is a repellent to me if it's like you have to do yeah. this and I know a lot of people work very well with those frameworks for me I feel much more calm when I can show up to something because I I want to um, and that to me is you know I, I, I wish I could sit there and, and do an hour's meditation and, and yoga but it's just not me. So I'm like, you know, even if I can take five minutes when I wake up just as a moment and just be like, whatever I can give in that day to just stop, take a few deep breaths and, you know, just, just give gratitude for the day, no matter what that holds is a really powerful practice to me. And it's so achievable. Yeah. And like I said, you know, I, I have a workshop um, that I have on online that I created called uh, creative space. And in it, there's this concept where I'm like, just show up for 900 seconds. Like you can do anything for 900 seconds, which is 15 minutes. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, you just need as I said before, that window of opening. And if, you know, if you can show up for mindfulness for, you know, five minutes, 15 minutes, whatever it is, and it feels good to stay a little bit longer, if it doesn't, you did it and then keep on with your day. But I think taking these like restrictions off ourselves to, you know, we, we always feel like we're failing at enough things. I'm like, just do whatever you can do and, and just put the, the tiniest break in the clouds around it. And if it's good, stay. If it's not, keep moving on. Yeah, I love that. And in terms of, because I know when you were in New York, you started getting into things like Soul Cycle yes. and all of those kinds of things. Like, are there any particular, you know, workouts or, you know, things like that that you like to maintain now? Yeah. I mean, the Soul Cycle equivalent here that I do is, is at Shelter, um, which is a, you know, beat-based spin class, which I love. And that's a form of meditation, right? Like, it doesn't have to be this, um, you know, traditional sit on a pillow meditation, like whatever gets you into that flow state that, you know, where your mind is still active, but you can receive 
receive new ideas and, and calmness. Um, so definitely Soul Cycle for me is one. I live in, in Bondi, so definitely jumping in the ocean is so uh, beautiful. Yeah. yeah, is is a really simple one. But yeah, I'm just about just yeah, like dialing it all down a little bit and 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 whatever that is to the individual. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Just whatever works for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I have a few questions before we kind of dive into our rapid mm-hmm. fire round. And one of the questions that I wanted to ask you is kind of looking back and reflecting on, you know, all of these experiences that you've had that you shared so vulnerably in your book, you know, what do you think is kind of like the biggest lesson or biggest lessons that you've really kind of taken away from, you know, these experiences that you've had? Oh, I think, I think it goes back to framework again. I think for so long, um, you know, I compared what I was doing to, to other people or, you know, in whatever capacity. And I'm like, there's just no point in it because they're probably comparing themselves to someone else as well. So, you know, going back to, to what your framework is and getting really clear on that. Um, and I think the second one is, you know, as it relates to that is intuition and really honoring that. And, you know, even receiving ideas, like to receive a new idea especially as a creative person, but as, as anyone, like that's a gift that someone, you know, of a higher power is giving you. So I'm like, honor that process. And it might not be for you. It might be to hand on to someone else. It might be, but, you know, create space for those ideas to reach you because that's, that's the communication. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. That's a, that's a powerful one. Um, and I wanted to ask you as well, you know, for someone who's looking to perhaps you know, follow in your footsteps or, you know, to any sort of young, budding, mm-hmm. you know, entrepreneurs, you know, what would be some of the, the biggest advice that you could perhaps share with those people? Oh, I think, um, you know, it's hard. I think it's, I think going into it knowing that it's going to be hard. I think so often on Instagram, we see, you know, these like live your best life, like hustle, you know, the grind kind of thing. And I'm like, <laughs> that's all well and good on a great day. But yeah. I'm like, some days is it's really tough. And I was like, let's just give permission for, for people to know that and to be okay with that. And it's, you know, quit as many times as you need to, but show up one more kind of thing. So it's, it's, um, I think just putting a, a, a reality around that journey rather than being like, you know, here's the glamour and here's, you know, it's all great. So, um, one, it's going to be hard. The highs are going to be really high and the lows are probably going to be really low, but that is the journey. Um, and I think, you know, enjoy it along the way. So I, I wish I had a stopped a little bit longer at each milestone along the way. So, you know, really immerse in those because that is, that is what it's all about appreciating the moment yeah sometimes it is just taking that time out to really say oh you know what I'm actually really proud of myself for achieving that or accomplishing that I don't know why that's so hard for us to do (laughs) it's so important it really is and you know it's um we we think the world's going to stop if we're not like I've got to send that email I've got to get this I've got to keep moving we've got to you know get that presentation I'm like the world really isn't going to stop like just stay a little while longer yeah exactly (laughs) that's such great advice and and I feel like you're someone who has a really what number one you've got incredible energy like I could feel that the moment that I like um, met you outside um but I feel like you know people that have got great energy you know and and I think for you as well you've had a theme of surrounding yourself with some really incredible remarkable women um you talk about this quite a lot in your book but I'd love to know you know how do you get to decide you know who's in your inner circle like who do you associate with when do you know it's time to sort of break up with a friend or you know some other 
type of relationship? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Um, I think, you know, professionally, I have steadfast being like, I know what I'm not good at from the start. And a lot of the times when I think founders go on this journey, there's this ego involved and it's like, no, I have to know it all. And um, I'm the first to be like, here's what I'm really not good at. Let's, I'm going to recruit people, you know, to, to do the things that I'm not good at because they are really good at them. So um, in a professional sense, I think surrounding yourself with people who are good at things that you're not. Um, in a personal sense, I th- and I think we all, you know, we read each other's energy first and foremost. It's the first, you know, bar- first language kind of communication. Yeah. So um, being really aware of, you know, when you're around someone, do they top your energy up? Do they keep it at neutral? Do they d- deplete it? And if they deplete it, then that's a decision that, you know, when you're ready, you have to Otherwise, it's, you know, it's, it's just going to drain you dry. And it's not to say people can't change and energy will, you know, flow and, you know, it's ups and downs. And sometimes people are in a personal position where they can't give energy because, you know, for whatever personal circumstance they're in. So, That's right. um, yeah. you know, I think treating energy like a communication tool and, and really understanding how that resonates with you and, and honoring that rather than pushing through till you're completely empty. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. That's such great advice. And I feel like that is something that you do really well because it really came through in the book as well, all of these different chapters that you've had surrounding yourself with these, you know, incredible women that were there to kind of like lift you up and play these different roles in your life, you know, right. whether it was Freya yeah. or, you know, anyone else, Annalise, I yeah, think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all of these women that just played these like different roles in your life, yeah. but you were really in your corner. Definitely. Yeah. And I think, you know, people do cross our paths like this all the time like it's it's like when you know the student is ready the teacher will appear the teacher yeah. isn't always this like holier than thou mentor it, it comes in the form of those that cross your path it comes in the form of experience and and heartbreak and it, it doesn't usually come dressed in the forms we think it is but yes. um and I, I think a female um community be it professional and personal is is paramount to the journey so definitely yeah being very selective in in how you're receiving other people's energy but also being um, really responsible of how you show up with your energy as well it's yeah. a two-way because and I think that's the concept of manifesting right I think manifesting is gets so bastardized these days where it's like oh it's it's a pin board with all these beautiful homes and carts I'm like that's just like elementary manifesting it's, it's <laughs> like manifesting is the vibration of what you truly are at your core is when you can clear the way for that to be that's when you start to attract what is meant for you that is manifesting yeah that is so powerful. I, c- I could not agree with you more. I think yeah. the moment that you actually tune into that frequency yeah. and you sort of remove all of those blockers as well, totally. um, whether it is people or things or, you know, thoughts in our own mind, mm-hmm. like that's, I think, when you can really kind of step into your true, authentic power. Definitely. And yeah. then you, when your life changes when that happens, and I'm not saying that, that it, that, you know, once you step into it, it's, it's maintaining and, you know, there's going to be down days and all these things. But once you've hit that vibration, you just, you know it. Yeah. Mm. I could not agree with you more. And I have one final question before we jump into our rapid fire round. And it is around sort of purpose and legacy mm-hmm. because, you know, you're, you know, you've created the Samantha Wills Foundation. You're doing some incredible work around that. Um, you also talk about, you know, um, jewelry, um, that we wear now yeah. being, you know, jewelry for the, the mind, mind, which I loved by the, the way. Tom like Waits I, quote. Yeah. I just got <laughs> goosebumps when I read that because I thought, Oh my gosh, 
that's so powerful. So I kind of wanted to ask you around like that purpose piece, but also Mm -hmm. like around, you know, out of all of the things that you do, because you've done so many incredible things, you know, what is it that you really want to be remembered for the most? I think it's about making others feel at home in their own skin. And I guess in my case, it it is that entrepreneurial journey. Um, You know, and the book isn't just a business memoir. I think people that don't have a business will find things in there as well. So it relates to, to both. But finding just allowing people to feel calmness in their own finding their own framework I think and then finding calmness in that and um because you know it's 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 awful to go through life and periods of life where it's just this like feel like you're rubbing against something that's not meant for you but you, you're like you're almost there but it's not there kind of thing so I, I hope that my sharings allow people to find calmness in their own framework and to be okay that their journey might not look like what they thought it was or like someone else's and and finding the calmness in that. That is beautiful. That's such a powerful mission and purpose to have. And I think that you're already doing that. Oh, you really you. are. In the so. thank you, you. <laughs> you absolutely are. And and I do want to jump into our rapid fire yes. round, which is what I ask all of my... This makes me very nervous, <laughs> rapid fires. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> it can just be whatever answer comes okay. to your mind. And the first question I wanted to ask you is, what is one piece of advice that you would give to your 20-year-old self? I think like stop worrying about what everyone else thinks because everyone else isn't thinking about you. Like just, yeah, (laughs) match the beat of your own drum a little more. I love that. (laughs) Question two, what is one thing that you've gotten better at saying no to? Um, I think... I think more as social, um, you know, I used to try and always show up and just please everyone. And now, as I said before, with anxiety, sometimes I'm like, I just don't have it in me. Whereas before I'd just try and push through and, and inevitably like hit a really bad, bad wall on the other side. And now I'm like, Hey guys, like, and really honest with it being like, you know, I'm, I'm not in a good place with anxiety. It's, you know, nothing to worry about, but I just, I'm going to have to cancel this Saturday. And they're like, no problem. Let yeah. us know what we can do to help you. <laughs> like but you think that everyone's going to be angry, but I'm like, no, people just want to help and they want the best for I you. I think when so. you're honest as well, right? 100%. Because it's like, we don't have to make all these excuses that, you know, someone's house burned down. No. Like, you know, the dog ate my homework. <laughs> yeah, totally. Whatever it was. Totally. It's like the web of lies that yeah, we leave. Exactly. It's just saying, honestly, like I'm just not feeling up to it. Yeah. Like that's so liberating. And people are like, they're probably like, us, oh, great. We're neither, t- like we're not up to it too. Yeah. So yeah, honestly, <laughs> who knew? Honestly, the it best sets you free. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> Question three is what is the best investment that you've ever made? Oh, I think learning more about my intuition. Like I actually study it as a as a topic. Um, and I, I read a lot by Carolyn Mass, who's a spiritual teacher who um, is complete no bullshit, but like really dives into that uh, internal world. So yeah, spending time um, reading from from masters of, of intuition, I think yeah. is a, a good investment. Amazing. I'm going to have to look into that yeah, one. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Question four is what is one motto, motto, quote or saying that you live by? I think it has to be the universe only ever has three answers for us. Yes, not right now, or I have something better in store for you. Yeah, I love that. It's such a great way way to live. I love that. And question five is what habit, routine or ritual has most positively impacted your life? Do you know what? It's changed over time, but I think throughout 
COVID and specifically the lockdowns, like it allowed me to get back to creativity and, you know, find those hobbies again. And I think for 15 years, uh, like jewelry was my hobby, jewel making jewelry was my hobby. And then I commercialized it, which is amazing and what I wanted to do, but I never replaced that hobby along the way. And I think, you know, as a creative person, if you don't have that creative outlet, that's just to be, it's, it's a really, stifling way so yeah get it like I did paint by numbers I did like adult coloring in um flower things and just getting back to those basics so um yeah rediscovering that was really lovely yeah that's incredible I love that and Samantha where are the best places for people to follow you connect with you and buy a a copy of your book and also keep up to date with what's happening with the foundation as well so we're just about to relaunch samanthawills.com which will be the home of the foundation and we've got um a new masterclass and creative workshops on there which is probably launching in the next few weeks. Um, and then the book is available at all major retailers and where all good books are sold. Um, and there's still signed copies, I think, at booktopia.com.au. Um, and then, yeah, Samantha Wills is my Instagram. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> well, I highly recommend the book to anyone that's listening because, I, like I said, I devoured it. I loved it. Thank you. It was so just raw, refreshing and honest. And I feel like I went through all of the emotions with you. I oh. laughed with you. I cried <laughs> you. with you. I got goosebumps oh. The, it was just you really kind of brought everyone along for the journey which was just that's the remarkable. biggest compliment to me so thank you so much yeah and not every book does that to me let me tell you thank so you. yeah I highly recommend it and um thank you so much for doing this with me it's been an absolute honor and joy to have you on the show you are someone like I said I I really admire your story but more importantly just the incredible being that you are and that you're so generously sharing your your story and your time with the world so thank you so much it's an absolute treat to be here thank you for having me thank you so much to everyone for tuning in to another episode of the Boston Hills podcast and Boston Hills TV if you are watching us if you listen via audio then please remember to subscribe rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. And if you're watching on YouTube, then please remember to like and subscribe at Boston Hills TV. Thank you so much for watching and tuning in. And until next time, bye for now. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Boston Hills podcast. Be sure to visit bostonheels.com for a ton of information, resources, and articles on all things career and personal development. And subscribe to this podcast for all future episodes. 